What's going on, everybody? Good morning to you. Hey, I want to look into the camera before we do anything else today and say a big hello to everyone that's watching online today, wherever you are. I know we've got lots of graduations and lots of family things going on uh, as the year kind of changes into the summer. So come on, Heartland family, help me welcome them to church today. And I want to thank some of you that are watching today who maybe have tuned in because a friend uh, asked you to. There are so many people uh, that told me this week uh, about friends that had watched last week's message and people that have been through a lot uh, in their lives over the past several years. And really, for whatever reason, you, you'd kind of given up or you feel like you've given up, but you're interested in at least giving me a few minutes of your time today. Uh, I want to say a special hello and welcome to you and thanks for tuning in. And honestly, a lot of today... Uh, I'm not just talking to our church, but I'm talking directly to you. So come on, one more time. Thank them for being a part of this service today. We're honored that you're here. I'm going to dive right in today. Uh, I'm not going to have any announcements because I got a whole lot of material that uh, I want to cover today in a short amount of time. We're in a series right now that I began last week called Church Hurt. And uh, if you missed it, you need to go back and listen to this message. It's kind of a foundational message for the series. Uh, we talked last week about this subject and, and about how church hurt is a real issue. It exists, everybody. It's a real issue for a lot of people. And we talked about a lot of things, but I, I think um, maybe at, 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 the, at the top of the list, we, it was just like, like letting God be the one to get even, you know, uh, that the greatest temptation whenever you experience church hurt uh, is it's to pull back. It's, it's to isolate. It's to, it's to give up. Uh, it's to believe that all churches or all church people are the same. And I, I talked really delicately about this idea of not confusing God with God's people. Uh, that God's people sometimes can be uh, a little like everybody else. And I'll talk about this here in just a second. But, but there's just this idea that to run to God, not away from God, whenever you experience pain in your life. Um, and I just really tried to encourage people. I gave some, some real simple practical steps last week about, about really taking the time when you've experienced pain in your life to, to grow, to, to grow into the next thing, to, and then to just to take a step back again towards maybe the church. And today, this message is one that is gonna apply to every single person in this room um, because today what I want to do is I want to prepare you for the future. Um, today will be, I, in fact, I'll just say it like this. I think it's one of the most pastoral messages that I'll, I'll preach the entire year, uh, if I'm honest. It's very teaching-oriented. We're going to get really practical today. Um, and because the truth is there's some of us here today who haven't experienced a lot of church-related pain. Uh, there's not been a pastor that's let you down or somebody in a church that's let you down or maybe it was a long time ago and you feel like you're in a, in a pretty healthy place overall. Um, and, and I would just say this, that I think probably most people have never really been equipped uh, on this subject. Like, like, what do you do when it happens? Like, what do you do when... Um, some stuff just kind of goes and some drama for your mama uh, hits your life. You know what I'm saying? Um, and it's impossible to guard against something when you really haven't been taught what to do. So we're going to talk about it today. What, what I'm just simply going to give you is I want to give you six biblical practices to guard your heart uh, when church hurt happens, okay? And not just opinion, uh, I want to give you Bible, uh, if that's okay. So look at your neighbor right now and say, this is going to help you. Uh, look at him. Come on. Tell him. This is going to help you. Now look at the other person you ignored the first time uh, and tell them, this is going to help you too. This is going to help you. And uh, I know we're in kind of, we're hitting this summer. Uh, it's kind of a new season of the year and some of you are excited to get out, but I'll just remind our church, I'm a hollow back preacher, uh, so when I'm talking, that means I preach shorter whenever you respond. Uh, everybody say amen. Amen. There you are. Yeah, I knew, you'd, I knew you'd come through. So real simple, six different things I want to share with you. Here's the first one today, and it's this, that if you're going to guard against church, heart when it, church hurt when it happens, you have to realize that your church isn't perfect and neither are the people. I want to start with that. And that is such a simple thing to say. It's, it's not a simple thing to live out. 
uh, because so much of the pain of our life centers around uh, expectations that we create in our mind and in our heart. In fact, I want you, those of you who are married, if you're married t- today, say, hey. hey. Okay, you're happy about it, good. Um, I want you to consider that in marriage, most of the problems that we experience are built on expectations that go unmet. You know what I mean? And I think we do the same thing in church, if, if I'm honest. We hold church people and the church to a certain expectation, don't we? Like, and when something happens, kind of our internal thought, or maybe we even say it to somebody else, is, well, that shouldn't happen. That person is a Christian, or they love God. But at some point, <laughs> I think we need to step back and realize that people in church are a lot like people who are not in church. They are sinners, and they're in need of grace. Ecclesiastes 7.20 says, not a single person on earth, come on, everybody say it with me, is always good, and never sins. Last year, uh, Kendra and I went with uh, our family to a beach in Mexico. Uh, Kendra loves the beach. Uh, It is her happy place. Anybody else love the beach in this room today? (laughs) Some of you are in vacation mode, I can see, uh, this summer. She loves the beach. She likes to walk on the beach. Uh, She didn't even have to get in it. Every day, she just, can we just go on a walk? Can we just walk as far as we can? And she likes to explore. And I get very bored uh, on the beach in general. Um, I, you know, I don't like sand getting all over me. Uh, I, I have a... I have a lobster spirit that comes upon me when I'm in the sun too long. Uh, so anytime we go on vacation, <laughs> Kendra knows this, I do what I call catfishing. I try to find a spot in the shade, in the pool, under a bridge or somewhere like that, that I can just sit away from the sun. So we're getting ready to go on this trip. And all of us have an expectation Uh, about the beach of what the beach is going to look like, right? It kind of looks a little bit something like this. You know, this is the expectation in our mind. Uh, This is what we're headed for, you know, headed to the beach. Ah, it's going to be beautiful water, beautiful sand, a palm tree. So we get to this resort in Mexico, and we step out on our balcony and look out over the ocean, And what we saw was not at all what we were expecting in our mind. This is the image of what we saw whenever we got to the beach. And um, this was our reality. We found out that at at the beach and in this particular area of Mexico, this was actually very normal for them. Uh, And I think the word is called sargassum. Uh, It's sargassum seaweed season. And every day, this massive amount of seaweed comes in to the shores uh, there in Mexico. And so much so, they, they literally have like dump trucks picking up this seaweed along. And, and I remember the first day, I thought, oh, this is great. They're getting it all up. It'll be gone. And then tomorrow, I woke up, and it was the exact same situation. And I thought to myself, these poor people are doing this knowing that this is, it's just going to keep rolling in, rolling in. But we were... We were disappointed. Why? Because we had expectations in our mind that the beach was going to look very differently. The problem was this was actually very normal. But what we expected in our minds made us mad. Can we just admit for just a second that unrealistic expectations of church and its people don't create peace, it creates pain. And so I want to say this today, that if you're new here, and you've really liked our church so far. I need you to know that we're not as good as you think we are right now. If you've come in and you've thought to yourself, man, these people are really friendly. Sometimes they're not. On the other side of the equation, if you've been here for a really long time, I've got news for you. We're better than you're giving us credit for right now. (laughs) The truth is, there is no perfect church, okay? And if you find it, 
don't go because you're going to mess everything up. All right. <laughs> the other day I, I watched the news and I remember seeing on TV like there was just this mob of people and going crazy at this particular event. I won't get into what it was. And they were in front of the cameras and they were just mobbing it out, going insane, you know, acting crazy. And I remember thinking to myself, like in that moment, my God, these people, who acts like this? And then I had this thought suddenly hit me, like, you know, a lot of those people were in church yesterday, uh, (laughs) is what I thought. Some of those people probably lead a small group. (laughs) There are some of those people, people follow them, like they're they're my leader. See, wherever imperfect people gather and come together, somebody's going to get hurt. Somebody's going to get disappointed. Somebody's going to get upset. Somebody's going to get mad. And, that, and that's why I want to encourage you today to not have your hope in people. In fact, look at this verse in Psalm 62. It says, yes, my soul, find rest in, come on, say it out loud, on who? In God. My hope comes from him. My hope doesn't come from my church, everybody. My hope doesn't come from the people in the church. It comes from God. Your hope comes from him. And so I just want to start today very simply by saying this, lower your expectations of people and raise your expectations of God, everybody. If you'll raise your expectations of God, he'll never let you down in a moment of difficulty. Here's the second thing that I just want to share with you today. Just again, we're getting really practical. We're going to dive into some things, but I'm just trying to set an expectation. Number two, don't put pastors or their families on pedestals. This is really important. You know, I'll travel sometimes and and speak in different places. And usually when I get there, wherever I'm traveling, you know, somebody picks me up and, and they always, you know, they always want to, they always want to help. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I'll, I'll, they'll get out of the car and say, let me help you with your bags. You know, let me put your bags. And and I don't know, it's just my personality, I guess, or whatever. I was raised by a dad that, that it didn't matter how much success he had, he has always had a lot of humility in his life. So I'm like, you know, I can put my own bags in the car. It's not that big of a deal. Uh, I've been working out a lot this year. Um, so, you know, I don't mind, um, you know, or, or you, know, the, you know, as we're going to the service, can I carry your Bible? Can I carry, you know, I, I mean, my Bible weighs like a pound. You know what I mean? Like I can carry it. It's not that big of a deal. You know, it, and it just, I don't know, the whole thing just sort of feels funny. Now, I know why they do it. They, they do it because they're wanting to be honoring. Uh, and by the way, that's a, that's a spirit that the Bible talks about, okay? And I don't want to minimize it. First Thessalonians 5 says, Dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard among you and they give you spiritual guidance. So show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work. And it could help us out a lot if you just get along with each other. Okay, I love that last part when it gets in there. So it is a biblical idea, okay? But there's another side of this thing in the church world that I think you got to guard against. And that is that real quick, when it comes to people who are up on this stage, you can slip real quick from honor into idolizing or even worshiping. Now, we don't really have that much of a problem in this church with that, I feel like. Uh, You guys seem to get it down good. Um, I'm kidding. But I need you to know, in Acts, look at this, in Acts 10, it says, As Peter entered his home, Cornelius fell at his feet and started trying to worship Peter. But Peter pulled him up. Can you imagine this? You know, he walks in the room. Peter pulls him up and says, what are you doing? Stand up. Get up right now. I'm a human being just like you're a human being. Don't worship me. And and, and here's the deal, church. I want you to know this. We're going to have over time and continue to have, we've had some amazing men and women stand on this stage. I'm telling you, we're going to bring in some of the best communicators some of the greatest spiritual leaders in, really in the world. But I, I just, I wanna remind you today that as these men and women come, that's all they are, they're men and women. And, and this, this stage is filled with people who are just like you. Now they may be spiritual leaders, but don't, and, and this happens in the church, 
It happens, you know, with this idea of celebrity pastors and, you know, this mentality that all of a sudden pastors are, they're a little bigger than they should be. I just want, I just want you to know something. This church is way bigger than Kendra and I. And, and if we do this right, way after I'm gone, it should just keep going. Just the same way it does that if I'm here. In fact, I, I'm just, we're not building a church on us. We're building a church on Jesus, everybody. Like, and so we'll always try our very best to be transparent about our humanity. Uh, and, and I'll always try to share stories about my own humanity because I just need you to know we are sinners and we live very imperfect lives, Kendra and I. In fact, can I just tell you, you know, there are marks of healthy churches and unhealthy churches. I think a mark of an unhealthy church are churches that put their pastors on pedestals. I'm here to tell you, I don't go back into a back room just to sit by myself and hang out alone. Like, if I'm ever doing that, it's because I'm taking care of something. Or I, Like, I'm, I'm a person, and, and we pastor people, and we love people to life. And there's a long line in heaven that came before us, and there will be a long line in heaven after us. And, and I'm just here to tell you today. Now, again, practice honor and, and love your leaders. And, and I hope that you do that with all leaders in your life, by the way. I hope you honor up. We're a church that honors up, honors down, honors all around. In fact, honor weekend's coming up on July 3rd, and we're going to honor teachers, and we're going to honor military. We believe in honor, right, everybody? But I know people that have stopped going to church altogether because their pastor messed up and fell. You know what that shows me? That shows me their worship was in the wrong place. Follow me as I follow Jesus, everybody, because here's the verse in Hebrews 12, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Don't ever worship a person. Let's always keep our eyes on Jesus. He's the only one worth worshiping. He's the only one that deserves the praise and the glory. Come on, let's take a moment, in fact, and just clap our hands for Jesus all over this room for what he's done in our life. Again, we're rolling in. We're going to get a little deeper at, with each one of these. The third one is this. Learn to extend the same grace and mercy that you want to receive. So there was this empty lot near the edge of this town where a bunch of guys would often gather on the side. And they would, they would gather there because they were day laborers. Men would come and you know, they would say, hey, this is a day's work that I need. So they'd go with them and they'd get paid. And so... Early one morning, this guy named Bob, he pulls up and he says, hey, I need five men, five men who want to make $100 today, got to clear some brush, you know, that's what you're going to be doing today, clearing brush, if you want to make $100, hop in, you know, let's go. And so five men raised their hands, they jumped in the back of the truck and they got to the location and they started working, you know, clearing this brush, you know, and it was a bunch of brush that needed to be cleared. It was about 8 a.m. in the morning and about noon, uh, the man realized that they, they've not made a whole lot of progress. He really needs more done. So he needed more men. So he went back to the spot and he said, I need five more men that want to work, you know, that, that are willing to work, want to clear brush. Five more men jumped in and now he's got 10 men there. About three o'clock in the afternoon, they've still not made much progress. So he goes back, he gets five more men. Now he's got 15 men. They're there at the site. And again, at 5 p.m., uh, he's like, man, I just, I, I need to, so there are five more men. So now he's got 20 men working 8 a.m., 12, 3, and 5. And at the end of the day, about, about 8 o'clock that evening, he lined up all the men, all 20 men, and he started going down the line, and he started handing each one of them a $100 bill. There you go. Thank you so much for coming today. And the guys who got there at 5 o'clock were pretty excited. I mean, they'd only been there three hours and they got $100. It's amazing, you know. But one of the guys was down at the end of the line and got there at 8 a.m. He said, hey, wait a second. What's going on here? The man turned around. Bob looked at him and said, what's wrong? He said, well, we got here at 8 a.m. this morning and we worked all day and made $100. These guys got here at 5 o'clock. They made $100 too. Bob turned around and he said, well, friend, didn't I offer you when you came out today that if you worked, I'd give you $100? He said, yeah. 
I said, well, didn't I hand you a $100 bill for the day's work? He said, well, yeah, you did. He said, was there a rule that says I can't pay people what I want to pay them with my money? The story that I just told you, I just kind of made it sound a little more today, is a story of Matthew 20. It's a story that Jesus tells about the parable of vineyard workers. And when you read that story in Matthew 20, every person who's ever read it thinks to themselves, well, this doesn't seem very doesn't seem very fair. That's not fair. Because isn't it true that fairness is a funny thing? Have you ever noticed that when unfairness works out to your advantage, you don't call it unfair, you call it answered prayer? (laughs) I mean, when you get more than your fair share, do you argue? Are you like, I don't think I deserve this. You're like, no, thank you, God. I thank you for breakthrough. You know what I'm saying? My kids have never been like, you know, mom, I got more presents than she did at Christmas last year. I think I should get less this year. No, 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 no. We only complain about something being unfair whenever it works against us. So when we're hurt, it's not fair. The problem is, is that story, what the Bible says In fact, let me just read it to you. It says, the kingdom of heaven is like that. It's like a landowner who went out early one morning to hire workers for his vineyard. See, sometimes living in the family of God is going to feel like someone showed up at 5 a.m. and made the same wage as you at 8 a.m. Now, why is that important for me to tell you? And why have I taken the time? The, The temptation will be to always withhold mercy from others who didn't deserve it. That's always gonna be the temptation of your life. But look at James, it says this, there will be no mercy for those who've not shown mercy to others. But if you have been merciful, God will be merciful whenever he judges you. You reap what you? If you sow mercy, you reap mercy. If you sow judgment, you'll reap judgment in your life. In fact, whenever you get hurt, just a few things I want you to think about today, that when you're hurt, give people, learn to just give people the benefit of the doubt. Just just believe the best, even when they hurt you. I, I tell my kids sometimes, like you've never given me a reason to doubt you, and even if you do give me a reason to doubt you, I'm still gonna believe in you. Do that with people. Do you want people to believe the best in you? Do you want people to believe whenever you're and you have a bad day that they will think to themselves, oh, they must just have had a bad day today. Yeah, you want that. So, so make the decision in your heart, I, I'm just not gonna make things bigger than they are. See, when you have the right expectations of your pastors or your small group leaders or your, your dream team coaches or your parents or your boss or your teachers, you, you realize that you have to give people mercy in some areas of your, of your life. Number two, don't kick people when they're down. Because people are gonna be down. They're gonna do stupid stuff. We have become really good at kicking people when they're down as a society. I'll give you a prime example, the Will Smith thing. When Will Smith slapped that man, it doesn't matter what side of the fence you're on, you know what I saw the next day? Everybody had an opinion. Every, everybody was coming on. Well, Will Smith shouldn't do, well, Will Smith, well, Will. And I thought to myself, you were just slobbering all over him three days ago. You thought he was the greatest actor and you were watching his movies. You know, you don't, listen to me. You don't have to commentate on every failure. Number three, cover people whenever they miss the mark. Somebody in your life, your wife, your husband messed up in front of a group of people. Cover them, man. Your your small group leader did something dumb. Stand in for them. Cover them. Cover your friends. Don't expose their weaknesses in front of other people. What about this one? Give people room to fail, everybody. I'm just telling you. Look at your neighbor right now. and Just look at them. Come on, say to them. Say, I know you're going to do something stupid. Come on, tell them that right now. There's There's some wives looking at some husbands right now. 
<laughs> you better not do something stupid. What do we do? What do we do when people hurt us? What do we do? There are some church people in my church that hurt me and they did some things to me that shouldn't have been done. What do we do? We start with grace. We start with mercy. Why do we start there? Because God has given us grace. God has given us mercy. Here, here's the fourth one. Don't judge all churches by the action of some churches. Now, I want to just play a quick game here for a moment. I want to ask this question. If you've ever been a member, okay, at another church other than Heartland, just raise your hand. Raise your hand. That's, <laughs> holy cow. That's a whole lot of baggage. <laughs> just walked in this room. I want you to think about this. Sometimes people come to HC and they did, they're, they're here because they moved or something happened, but not always. Sometimes people come here and they've been hurt. Something happened in my other church. I'll meet people out in the lobby and I'll say, it's so good to have you at HC. Yeah, we're here. Some stuff happened at our other church. And the truth is, some people come in with walls. Some people come in distant. Some people come in closed. Some people are angry. Some of you, you, you came here and you've been here for a little while, but you're not serving. And you're not serving because your other church burnt you out. They burnt me out. <laughs> Had me serve all the time. Will you serve here? No, no, I know what you're going to do to me. <laughs> not going to do it. Some of you don't want to give. You've seen unhealthy things. Other churches. You don't want to engage. You don't want to do ministry. Now, I try to tell people, you know, how do you build the trust of someone that doesn't really know you? The, the only way that I know to do that is to ask you to trust me and then just do everything that I can to make sure that I'm a person worthy of your trust. It's the only way. And, and I want you to know that I, I'm sincerely, like we are sincerely going to give it our best shot. But can I just say this at the same time? It's a lot to live up to, you know? And, and what I care about more than anything is that you get to a place where your heart will be open to the word of God again. Because so many people walk into churches and they've been hurt and, and their heart, although they're here in spirit or here in person, their spirit is closed to the word of God. Because of their anger. And, and I just want you to, to receive God's word without a filter again. I said this last week. I'm so sorry that you've had that experience. I know it hurt you. But don't give up on all churches. Don't give up on Heartland. A while back, I went to a restaurant. And it was a, it was a pretty nice restaurant. And uh, I'm at the restaurant. And I'd ordered a steak. And so uh, the steak comes out. And I'm getting ready to eat it. And I just happened to look down, and I noticed this hair uh, on, on the steak. You know, and I thought to myself, well, maybe it's mine. And I, closer inspection, realized that it was not. And, uh, and so, you know, the server came by, and I said, hey, you know, I'm so sorry to do this, but there's a, there's a hair uh, in my steak. Oh, I'm so sorry, sir. You know, we'll take care of that right now. We'll get you a new one. Okay, no big deal. So everybody's eating their food. You guys know how that feels. Everybody's eating their food, but you're not. You know, <laughs> just looking at everybody else's food. <laughs> and so they bring back another steak. And so I, I cut into the steak this time. And when I do, I notice that the steak is like extremely raw. You know, that they rushed it quickly. I'm, again, I'm not going to make a big deal about it. You know, it's, uh, number one, I'm really hungry. And so I eat around the sides. And, you know, I'm doing my best. Steak would. Now, I made a decision that night uh, after that meal. You know what I decided? I'm just not going to go back to that restaurant. I'm not. Like, it ain't my jam, you know? You know what I didn't say? You know what I didn't say? I'm never going to a restaurant again. I'm done with restaurants. But that's what some people do. They, they have a bad experience with church. I'm done with churches. All these churches. Or what's worse is you give up on God. In fact, let me say it this way. Giving up on God 
because of a bad church is like giving up on food because of a bad chef. Don't judge all churches because some churches, you'll find, if you do that, you'll find yourself disconnected from, from God's people. And as a result, you'll be disappointed and disconnected from God who you really need in your life. Amen, everybody? Oh, this is, this is better than you're saying amen, but that's okay. I'll amen myself, I don't care. All right, number five. Now we're about to really get into the nitty-gritty of some stuff. I've just been warming you up for this, okay? Number five, you have to learn how to handle your offense the right way. Now, this is really important, and I'm about to help you. If I haven't helped you so far, which some of you, I can tell by your faces, I have not, uh, I'm about to really help you right now, okay? Because there are going to be moments in the life of a church where you're going to have offense, you're going to have disagreement, you're going to have conflict. And it's not always with the pastor, okay? Sometimes it's with somebody in your small group, or somebody, sometimes it's with somebody that you serve with, uh, or you, you develop close friendships and somebody wrongs you. You know, all, all of them, they're just, they're, they're these moments. But not all of these offenses, if you want to call them that, are created equal. In fact, I'm going to give you a couple of types of offenses. I'm going to give you one to avoid, one to get past, and one to deal with, okay? Here's the first one, all right? The first type of offenses are offenses that aren't yours, and if they aren't yours, you need to avoid them. This, this actually, this type of offense happens in churches more than you know. It's, it's when you take on the offense of someone else. Well, Steve told us that his friend Rob is leaving the church because he was wronged by the church. What they did was wrong. So we're leaving too. People do that. It is very easy, listen to me, to let an offended spirit get on you. But I want you to know something. The Bible says to bear one another's burdens, not one another's offenses. Before long, what happens is you can let an offended spirit get on you over something that hasn't even happened to you. I think the worst, the worst part of this is when people say they, you know, they said or they did. You ever notice that they seems to be responsible for a lot? And yet we don't even know who they are. People come to me and they say, you know, some people have been saying, I, I, don't, I don't know who some people are, you know. So avoid offenses and instead be the kind of person that looks to put out fires, not spread fires. In fact, Proverbs 17, I'm just, I'm giving you some wisdom here from the wisdom book. Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. That's what the Bible says. Look at this, look at this, Proverbs 6. There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among the brothers. So, so let's say that somebody comes to you and they've got an offense. And this is what we tend to do with our offenses. We don't go to the person. We tend to go to people beside to talk about the offense. Let's just, couple questions for you to consider as this person's talking to you. Number one, how do you know that what you're hearing is true? How do you know? Number two, is the person telling me this a reliable person. Could what I'm hearing right now, could it be exaggerated? Have I heard the other person's side of the story? Y'all, I do this in marriage counseling. When I sit down with a couple, you know, it's always one person said this, and you, you hear their side of the story, and you're like, man, their spouse is the devil. You know what I mean? Like, it is terrible. Then you hear the other side. Well, here's what we often say, and you know this to be true. You've heard this too, that there's her side of the story, there's his side of the story, and then there's the, it's somewhere in the middle. What about this? Do I have all the facts of the situation? What is, oh, this is really good. What is the spirit in which this is being communicated? 
So these are questions you got to ask yourself whenever other people are bringing up offenses with people around them. And in every situation that you have this, always encourage those people to talk to the person that they have the offense with. See, whenever you take an offense between one person and another person, and you add a third person into it, you take what was meant to be a direct line and you create a a triangle. It's between three people. So the phrase I use sometimes is don't triangulate your offenses. Take your offenses between one another. So so that's one, Uh, it's type to avoid. But then there's the second, and these are offenses that are petty. And can I just say this about a petty offense? Get over it. There's some stuff that you just need to let go of. That you just need to forgive and move on. They may, they said this one day. Okay, people make comments. Have you ever made a comment in a conversation and as you're walking away from the conversation been like, you stupid, why did you say that? What, what am I even thinking? Why do I say stupid stuff? How many of you have ever been in a meeting and said something in a meeting that you were like, there's Captain Dumb over here? You ever done that? Raise your hand if you've ever done that. Okay, there you go. You're going to have bad days. And they're going to have bad days. And believe it or not, but my wife would tell you, some days I have a bad attitude. It's like once a year, but most of the time... So come on, everybody. I'm just, I'm here to, let's go frozen. Let it go. Come on, what I'm, you know what I'm saying? Forgive. So there are offenses that are petty, and, and some of you, you know, need to realize when they are. And by the way, if you're married, men, don't tell your wife that their offenses are petty. That's not a good idea. Um, and then there is a third kind, and there's offenses that need resolution. And with these, you got to deal with them. Now, the scripture is really clear about this. There are these times where we have an offense, and the Bible, I love it, the Bible has given us instructions for it. This is how we're to handle it. In Matthew 18, it says, if another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you've won that person back. But if you're unsuccessful, take one or two others with you. And go back again so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. If the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. Then if he or she won't accept the church's decision, look at this everybody. Treat this person as a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. So what's the, what's the like how do we, how do we arrive? What's the, what's the thought process here? Well, this is how we start. When we're, when we're wanting to handle offense, the way we start is we start one-on-one. Here's the problem. Most of the time, the first step almost never happens. I saw this uh, video on Instagram yesterday, and it, it was like the conversations I think I'm going to have versus the conversations I do have. And the first video, it was this guy talking to his wife. It's like, I can't, I can't believe them, and I'm so sick of them. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell them. When I see them, I'm going to tell them, you shouldn't have heard me like that, and that was ridiculous. I'm so sick of it. I'm done. I'm through with our relationship. And then it pans to when he's actually having the conversation. It's like, you know, it was just a disagreement, and it's totally fine. You know, and like, like I'm not even mad. I'm not even mad. I'm not even mad. I didn't even get mad. I can't believe you thought that I was mad. I didn't even get mad. And it, was, it cracked me up because it's so true how we act. We, we, we want to sidestep conversations. In fact, a lot of the conflict that we have with people from previous churches, we never broached. And we left over something we never addressed. And we got angry. And, and we just refused to practice Matthew 18. People would rather leave churches or leave small groups, then deal with offense whenever it comes. I don't want to appear dramatic. I don't want to beat them down. I don't like confrontation. It's just easier. These are the things we tell ourselves whenever it happens. But let's say that you do. Let's say that this, the two of you sit down and you're like, you know, I, this is the offense. You know, this is, I need to talk to you about this. Whenever this happened, it made me feel this way. It hurt me. And, you know, and if the other person's like, 
you know, whatever, or you know what, I don't agree, or I think that's stupid, or you, as you, the two of you talk, you can't seem to resolve the conflict, then what is the next step? Then we bring in a mutual mentor or friend as a non-biased third party. So the next step is we say, and I would say this with that person, you know, like we're at a disagreement, we can't seem to like get anywhere, so maybe we need somebody to help us resolve this together. I don't like go get Bill on the side and say, Bill, we're going to blindside Jim here, you know, as a third part. No, no, no. I tell the person who, I'm, man, I just, I don't feel like we're getting anywhere. Can we have somebody to help us talk through this? Okay. And then if that third party, it doesn't seem to get resolved, then, oh, y'all are looking at that, weren't you? We get our elders or pastors involved. Now, here's the thing. Most people either don't do any of these or some people want to go straight to here. Let me tell my pastor what happened. And I'm just, I'm just here to tell you today, listen to me, some of you are having issues with somebody. Can I tell you, I, I've been a pastor long enough to know that you have friendships in this church. We're a big church, but you have friendships in this church. If there is someone, please hear me say this to you today. If there is someone that you have an offense with, someone has hurt you, somebody you feel like has wronged you, and you don't feel like it's petty, and it's affecting you. Biblically speaking, you need to talk to them. Are you hearing me today? I know it's hard. I know you feel like it's gonna be dramatic, but it's probably gonna be less hard than you think it is. Or if, they hear you. They may at first get offended, but then they might, they might think about it. Like, come on, let's let God begin to work in the middle of our offenses, everybody. Some of you are like, well, what if they don't receive it? Listen to me. You're not responsible for their reaction. You're only responsible for your willingness to resolve the conflict. Romans 12, 18 tells you, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everybody. You have a responsibility and you must talk about the offense. This is good teaching today, what I'm telling you right now. See, what I'm doing, some of you don't have an issue right now, but you will have an issue one day. And when it happens, I hope this comes to your mind. Here's the last thing today, and then I'm done. Don't give up on the church. Brandon Stewart, a few weeks ago, talked to you about one of the letters that Jesus wrote to the seven churches in Revelation. You know what I loved about, as I've studied that particular section of scripture, is that in Revelation, he, he called each of the churches by name. And as he talked about each church by name, he addresses specifically their triumphs and their challenges. And, and sometimes I think we think that Jesus just loves the global church. It's like, oh, I love, I love the church. You know, that's what he celebrates. He, it's like all the praise and all the worship and all the serving from all the churches combined. But can I tell you something? He does love the global church, but he loves this church. He, he sees every single one of us in this room, and he sees how Heartland is serving and worshiping. He sees like, like he sees the patience and the service. He sees areas where we're lazy. Can I just say that today? He, he sees areas where he needs to correct us and give us some judgment. He sees it all. And I, I guess when I think about that, I, it causes me to step back for a second and think, my gosh, I'm a part of... I'm a part of this church that God is judging. I'm a part of this church that God is triumphing and, and exhorting and speaking highly of. Like, I, I hope that when he looks down at Heartland, you know, if he were to write a letter to Heartland, I, oh my God, I hope that he says, I love the way that church worships. Oh, Heartland, I see your worship. Oh, Heartland, I love the way you love one another. I love the way you care for each other's hearts. Oh, Heartland, I love that, 
that when you're hurt, you don't just pray for people or write somebody a prescription, but that you sit down and you're willing to get in pits with people and love them to life. And I'm here to tell you today that the church doesn't have to have you. God will still use it, but this church needs you. Needs your experiences. It needs your perspective. It needs your love. It needs your watchful eye. It needs your help. And consequently, you need the church. Because when you're hurt, when you go through dark days, when the seasons of your life are difficult, you know who God will use to heal your heart? The people in this room. When you walk through seasons of great loss, this church will lift you up. Right now, my dad this past Friday went to go see his mom. She is coming into the very last days of her life. And if I can just be honest with you, it was a really, really difficult weekend for him. But I have so much faith. And even though it's a dark day, you know who I know will stand in with him and for him? It's the people here. Will love him in difficult seasons just as he's loved so many people as they've walked through theirs. And it gives me hope. Gives me hope for the difficult days that are to come. Gives me hope for the seasons where I feel disillusioned and frustrated because the meal will come at just the right moment or the text will come at the moment that I needed it most. And if you'll lean into God's people, listen to me, God's people will lean into you. God will use a institution that isn't perfect, an institution that falls short, but he'll use the people in it to love you back to life again. He'll use his church. Come on, somebody clap your hands and thank God. I want you to just bow your heads and close your eyes with me all over this room today. Holy Spirit, I guess today I just I thank you in advance for this message that it's gonna help people. And Lord, if there's somebody in this room right now that has an issue with their brother in Christ, I'm asking that you convict their heart. Do you know that conviction comes from the Holy Spirit? If there's a, a relationship right now with one of God's people, here's what I'm praying for you, that this is a restorative week. I'm praying that God would build those relationships back and that you both would come to the table of humility and that you both would sense like, God, I need you in the middle of this. Lord, would you help Heartland to be that kind of a place? Would you help us to be the kind of community that when we offend or when we hurt, that we're quick to forgive or we're quick to say, I'm sorry. Lord, I pray right now that you would help these relationships be binding relationships. That the word of God that says a good friend sticks closer than a brother, that that's what we would find at Heartland, God. I pray for every person that's watching this message today. Maybe they're here in person or you're watching online. And for whatever reason, there's been offense in your life. I want you to know that God can heal you right now. In fact, if that's you, just want you to take your hands and just put them kind of in a position like this. Now just ask the Lord, Lord, today would you begin to heal me? Would you begin to do a restorative work in me? Would you help me to believe in your church again? Lord, so many times it's fallen short. Pastors and leaders have gotten it wrong, but today I forgive them. Lord, I'm asking you to help me to love your church as you love your church, God. Lord, do a work in my heart today. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. Amen. Has this helped you at all today, everybody? I want you to stand with me all over the room. And uh, while you're getting your stuff together, I want our prayer team to come this morning. We didn't do this in the middle. I want to just make some room here in just a moment. And our prayer team's going to come down here today and they're going to stand here and I'm going to dismiss you here in a moment. But as the team plays, we like to worship our way in and we're going to worship our way out today. But if you need prayer today about something in your life at all, maybe something from this message today has pricked your heart. Maybe you're going through 
something that's really big or something that's really small and you just need somebody to agree with you and stand with you uh, through whatever life circumstances look like. As we dismiss today, would you come and find one of these prayer team members and just let them pray with you and our prayer team's gonna continue to worship and it's, it's just a moment for you to be able to respond to whatever God has on your heart today. And if that's, if that's not you, then that's totally fine. Uh, but I just want you to be able to pray with one of them because the Bible talks about when two or three gather together, he's there. And maybe you just need to hear the prayer of somebody else build your faith uh, in an area of your life where you need it. And I believe God's church will do that today. I wanna thank you for being here. Listen, uh, we're not passing buckets, so you can give uh, in the boxes that are out in the hallways or you can give online. So many of you do that. I wanna thank you for being such a generous church. We wanna celebrate. We just had our big glow night for our student ministry. And how many kids accepted Christ that night? 12 students made a decision to follow Christ. Such a great thing. That's 12 people that's lives have been changed. There's so many stories of how God is working and how he's moving. And I wanna thank you because you allowed us to be able to create that environment. Thank you, Mike and Carly, for leading so strong and to all the leaders who lead in that area. I love you guys so much. I hope that you have a great, great week this week. And if you're graduating, we're so proud. We're gonna be celebrating you soon. We love our church with everything so much. Let me just pray, pray out of here a blessing. Father, I pray for every family. Walk with them this week. Let your health uh, be with them, Lord God. I pray for their jobs and their children. And help them. And Lord, restore relationships and do a big work in people's lives. And we love you and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. 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 I love you, church, from the bottom of my heart. Let's sing it out. And if you need prayer, come grab one of these prayer team members. Otherwise, you're dismissed today. God bless you. Have a great Sunday.